0: One, and welcome to everyday linux episode 69 insert middle school joke here recorded october 7th 2012 and brought to you by element op productions element yes we couldn't do episode 69 without at least paying tacit homage to every middle school boy's favorite number so rather than um, doing it ourselves we just thought we'd let you make the joke so that's the title of the show, Insert Middle School Joke, Here. And to join me this week, our uh, gooey kid is off on assignment in in Saudi Arabia.
1: Um, or something.
0: But we have, filling in his uh, shoes in, in ample fashion, uh, your friend and mine, Mr. Steve McLaughlin, a.k.a. the Door-to-Door Geek. Hi, Steve. What's up? Hello, Mark. Um, I think I'm
2: actually... Finally about recuperated from going to OLF.
0: Well, that's been a week, right? I know, but I went a day early and stayed a day late, so it was five nights. So you needed some detox time? Is that what you're saying?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> and I ate a salad today, which uh, Steve Steve uh, Cher, um, Cherbino introduced me to, and I figured it would help maybe cleanse me. So you weren't aware that there were things called salads
0: before... Uh, if it didn't have, by default, bacon and cheese in it, I'm very unaware of it. See, I like to say salad is not food. Salad is what food eats. True, true, true. And also with us this week, as always, until next week, uh, or two weeks from two now, weeks. is uh, the command line godfather, Mr. Christopher Neves. Hiya, Chris.
1: Hello, hello. How goes it tonight, guys? Good.
0: Have you had a salad recently, Chris?
1: Uh, Yesterday, actually
0: any any parents out there of uh kids of a certain age will know of a book by Eric Carle called The Very Hungry Caterpillar? Familiar yep. with that one? Uh, my youngest daughter as I mentioned last week turned 4 uh, uh last Sunday. Th- this weekend we had her uh um birthday party cuz we couldn't do it last week for anyway. So it was a Very Hungry Caterpillar party and so the food was all the things that the caterpillar ate through during the uh uh, the book. It was uh There was all sorts of stuff: candy bar and and uh, a number of different types of fruit. So each page of the book, the the uh, the caterpillar eats through ever increasing quantities. So he eats through one thing on Monday and two things on Tuesday and so forth and so forth. And at the end of it, he eats through one tiny green leaf. We struggled with what the leaf would be, so we ended up going with baby spinach. That was the tiny green leaves. Care to guess how many people ate spinach at the party? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I
1: would say less than a handful. Yeah,
0: none. There was none. None people ate spinach because oh. certainly none of the the kids did, and uh, we even we even went so far as to get salad dressing and stuff out of it. But if just spinach isn't enough. You know, there was no bacon to be had. There was no mm. there were no carrots and just spinach. And so uh, we put all of the spinach back in the fridge, which I'm okay with because I really like spinach and I'll eat it later. But when oh, you've I got you. when you've got uh, uh, Velveeta cheese dip and, you know, and onion dip and Cheetos beside the spinach, yeah, it mm. kind of gets overlooked.
1: Yeah. It yeah. becomes a second-class citizen.
0: Yeah. I'll say I was a sucker,
2: and I believed Popeye, the sailor man, when I was younger. So I
0: learned to really like spinach. Yeah, I'm a big fan of spinach. I don't, in fact, canned spinach, the kind that Popeye ate, is my least favorite of all. But I'll eat it. Well, it should be. Yeah. But I like, the, I like baby spinach in a salad. It's actually one I, I will. I, I'm, I'm sad like that. I know. And, and you look at me. I, I weigh like 900 pounds. You wouldn't believe this is true, but it is true. I will actually sit down with a bag of spinach and eat them like chips just as a mm-hmm. snack. I enjoy it.
1: I've never tried that yet. It's good. I put it on all my salads and all my sandwiches and pretty much everything else, but I've never tried it straight out of the bag.
0: Now, this is not something we do often. (laughs) Welcome to Mark's Cooking Hour. Uh, But uh, for special occasions, my wife makes a bacon vinaigrette, which is just awesome. It's equal parts. You know, use uh, vinaigrette as oil and vinegar, right? Well, Mm -hmm. the oil is bacon fat. So it's equal parts vinegar and bacon fat. And, of course, it has to be served warm. Otherwise, the bacon fat's not liquid. And then you pour it over the spinach, and it it wilts it a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty darn awesome. Jeez. I got to hey, go, guys. Again, Mark. Thank you. Remember, <laughs> so, I haven't ate yet. So if you've got that that can of bacon fat in the fridge, you know what I'm talking about, where you're draining drain the pan off, that's something you can do with it. Melt it down, mix it with some balsamic vinegar, and pour it over spinach, and even your children will eat it.
1: Yeah, especially my daughter, who is anti-anything that isn't red in meat. <laughs> She is a she is my meat eater. My yeah. my son is a vegetarian. My daughter is a meat eater. So it's a very interesting table when I sit down to eat dinner. And she's the
0: one who recently had a tooth explode. I wonder if there's a correlation yeah. there.
1: I don't know, maybe, because my son has had zero cavities in the let's see, he's what, twelve this year? So yeah, he's had he just had his first cavity this year, but I, I kind of contributed that to the fact that he had Unabrate. He never got stopped going across the street at my mom's house from the <laughs> gas station and all the monstrous amounts of soda he right. drank over the summer.
0: That'll do it. I don't know if you read it, uh, Chris, but there was a, a rather impassioned post in our uh, Everyday Linux forum from a listener. Uh, we mentioned dental health, and apparently that's uh, something about which he is very passionate. He wrote a, wrote a lengthy post about how you can, uh, the foods you need to eat. For dental health. And one of one of the things on his list was organ meats. So feed that kid some kidneys and her teeth will get better.
1: Um, that's probably something she'll like, considering it's meat, and if I can serve it to her medium, she'll love it. Yeah.
0: So uh with some little freaked out during, by that one, <laughs> <laughs> with some fava beans and a nice chianti. Exactly. Uh, trying to get back into the uh the actual technology side of things uh fedora 18 is ready to ship right
1: no not quite but it was supposed to it slipped again uh this will be the third slip um which is typical for any of these um for fedora or any of the other big the big three when they do a release they have what's called blocker bugs and until they're fixed they the release date slips out again um so we're now, this is like, if I remember my table correctly, this is the third slip. Yes. So now we are looking at the release schedule of 1127 for Spherical Cow.
0: Spherical Cow.
1: We have Beefy Miracle now. We got to have the Spherical Cow.
0: So that's that's either a hamburger or a hot dog, right? That would be a Spherical Cow. That makes sense. And the Beefy Miracle was a hot dog, so yep. it fits.
1: Yeah, I just thought that was kind of neat. I was actually kind of hoping that it wouldn't have slipped again, but, well, I'd rather have it come out correct than come out broken, like other places that we know. Well,
0: how many times has a Fedora release been ready when it was released? I I can't remember that ever happening.
1: I don't think it's ever happened. It's always slipped at least once.
0: No, I'm saying even when they release it, it wasn't ready for release.
1: Well, no, let's see, 12. 11 and 12 were good uh 13 was kind of sketchy and then after that the first release the the first say 16 days after release was pretty rough for any of the releases after that point nah, but i'm sorry you, know,
0: I, you give them more credit than i do i've got to go all the way back to 6 before fedora had a good stable release
1: uh, i don't know werewolf was pretty good yeah
0: you're a you're a fedora fanboy and that's okay
1: that's uh, okay uh, yeah, yeah. i do I'll i do th- have my fedora love
0: I would
2: say I'll much rather than delay it than release something that breaks quickly.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm fine with that. We can wait for our spherical cow. And I'm sure uh, mid-December or so, we'll have a a review of it, as we often do, a few weeks after they come out. So we can look forward to that.
2: Okay, well, I'll ask Chris for a favor. Can you see if you can install Cupfer? K U P F E R on any Fedora system that you have.
1: K U P F E R. Yeah, yeah. What's it
2: for? I will. Uh, I will wholeheartedly admit that is my Linux crutch. As long as I have that application, I feel comfortable in using a desktop Linux. But if I can't install a I feel like I have a you know half my fingers cut off.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. It's uh, it's
2: just programs. a quick launcher, right? No, it classifies itself as a quick launcher. It is much closer to being digital ninja. <laughs> uh, so, not, so sort of like have- Gnome Do. No, even then, it does it like eight times more
0: than Gnome Do can do.
1: Okay, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to look into this one. I'll I'll see what's going on. And I, I believe it.
0: I believe Dore mentioned it one of the first times he was on the show. I think that was his tip. And right, uh, well. Here's the example I give right before
2: the show, I connected the Google hangout and I said to Chris, I said, um, I need Skype, don't I? He said, yeah. So I just hit my combo key to pull it up, typed Skype, hit enter, and it went and installed Skype. I hit the, um, control and, uh, a space, I'm sorry, launched it again and typed Skype and it started. So I didn't have to do any Synaptic, I didn't have to do any GW, I didn't have to do any Software Center, I didn't have to do any Terminal, I didn't have
0: to do anything. So you type something, and if you don't have it, it installs it, and if you do have it, it launches it? Uh, it is one of the options I think you have to enable in the Preferences
2: to um, oh, okay. join it. Join itself with the package management system, and it can join itself to multiple ones, not just Git.
1: It's it's equivalent as GNOME Do in the GNOME world. So I'm I'm sitting I'm looking I'm looking up the web page over on GitHub. So it's, right. well here's it's like here it's like GNOME Do but with more tools.
2: Yeah, because here, here's the other thing I do I can launch Firefox, but with the but loading a specific page I can load Filezilla. With a specific connection, I can batch start applications, have one start on desktop one, one start on desktop two, one start on desktop three, all with very minimal effort.
1: Okay. I am intrigued. I am going to look into this tomorrow.
0: Okay. Rattle successful. <laughs> and uh, Chris, I couldn't help but notice your your uh, connection's a little better tonight. Is there a reason for a that? Little,
1: a little bit. Um yes, my move to the new ISP is complete. Um I now have instead of three down and five twelve up, I have seven down and seven sixty eight or something like that up.
0: Yeah, which is Very still cool. not awesome, but it's a darn good start in the on the upstroke.
1: It, yep, it's definitely improvement. Um at this point that is the fastest I can get as a consumer, so I might have to start looking on the business level if I wanna go any higher. Um if anyone out there from CenturyLink is listening offer me faster speeds I will buy it I promise you
0: Yeah that's that's where I was before I moved out of Texas it was you know I I would I would pay you I will bend over and offer whatever you want if you will just give me more bandwidth and nobody could do it um, yep. or was willing to
1: So just Well to- I could have I could have with my old provider but let's see for 10 down one up, it was like $90 a month just for wow. The internet. Wow. And that's, that, that's unrealistic for me.
0: So I just did a speed test while we were talking and with uh, two Skype calls and a live stream going, uh, I got 24 down and three and a half up. You suck. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm quite happy about that. Verizon to the rescue, or not Verizon, but, uh, uh, Comcast to the rescue.
1: Uh, I have a feeling I'll be a long time away from here because 'cause I'm out in the sticks. As we said before. Yes.
0: And uh what's this other one? You have eleven years in something.
1: I have eleven years in marriage as of yesterday.
0: Wow. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Eleven years. It's it's uh it's been a fun road so far. Seems Let's like do it longer, 11 doesn't years it? Go. It does. <laughs> it does. But I've said that since year one, so yeah. maybe that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's but that's, I just
1: had to get I had to give my wife some some homage because, you know, she's taking care of the kids right now, making dinner. So thank you, honey, for putting up with me for 11 years in marriage and 13 years together. And hopefully we have many, 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 many more.
0: Yeah. In a couple of months, I have 19 coming up. Oh, yeah. Is that right? 18, 19, 18, 18. Like I said, it just seems like... <laughs> anybody seen the jerk we've all seen that movie right of course He's laying there the first day that seemed just like a regular day the second day that seemed like two weeks the third day that seemed like four and a half days if you remember that i love that movie. yeah great movie well i don't want to go that far but certainly an enjoyable movie
2: these it's cans
0: are exploding <laughs> <laughs> You've got some defective oil cans here. Yeah, the, it's, the, there are movies that are good movies, and there are movies that are enjoyable movies, and they're not necessarily the same thing. Right. You know, and, and the jerk is is in the uh, the latter. It's, it's an enjoyable movie, not necessarily a good one.
1: I would say it's a sit down and laugh, but don't worry about getting up and moving away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not one you have to sit down and catch every line of. Like The Matrix. <laughs> yep. You can't miss a line of dialogue from The Matrix. Because every line of the dialogue is important to the plot.
1: Well, which Matrix? Because there's the well, one, there's only two, one. and three. No, there's and- only one.
0: The, the other two, no. they... No, they were travesties. There's only one <laughs> Matrix. There's only one Highlander. The, the others uh-huh. should never have happened. Interesting. I will not argue, <laughs> sir. Because when you take... See, that, All right, I'm just going to preach. That every... Uh, work of fiction sets out certain rules. And I don't care what those rules are. They can be anything, any rule you want, as long as you follow your own rules. And the first two minutes of Highlander 2 completely destroyed every rule written in all of Highlander 1. Therefore, yeah. it is not the same movie. Yeah. It's like a fork. Because right. is- <laughs> the same thing. Now, like the Highlander television show, they just did a little retcon. They just kind of went back and said, all right, he wasn't the last one, but the Kurgan was there, and and uh, McLeod was there, and, that, and, and that's okay. They, that was okay. I can accept that. Retcon happens all the time. But the second and third movies were just, just they were entirely different movies. Shouldn't have happened. <laughs> Reach on. <I laughs> you guess. never Reach know her. what we're going to get <laughs> to on this show. So let's start with a little uh, tech news. I started to say Linux news, but it's not tech news. It's not Linux news. It's tech news in general. Uh, And Seth uh, Anderson, our gooey kid, he's the the news hound of the group. Uh, And he goes out and gets all these. um, And then we generally just sort of intro them, and he talks about it. Um, He's not here, so... I'm just going to confess to having not read almost uh, any of these stories at all, Uh, so I'm going to click on them, read through them, and try to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. So here we go. Um, (laughs) Windows 8 users, how many are there? All seven of them say they would rather be using Windows 7. Windows 8 uh It's not available for general release yet, but the uh, guys with TechNet subscriptions and those guys uh, can get their hands on it. And sort of generally speaking, uh, according to a Windows forum, uh, excuse me, forumswindows8.com poll, um, it was a a support site. uh, Everybody who's using Windows 8 would rather be using Windows 7. I don't really see how that's news. That could be said of any New OS. Everybody liked the old yeah. one better. Well, I would say and the same.
2: you did notice what domain this is hosted on, right? Yeah. Fudzilla. Yes. Yeah. To me, that kind of takes a little bit of the, the credit away, but yeah, it's just one of those things. People don't like change. Yeah. And, well,
1: and, and there's that. And if, if anyone's actually spent time, has anyone played with the beta yet for windows eight that we were able to play with yep. or you have Mark,
0: mm-hmm. I haven't. I I have no interest in it and fully plan to just skip it entirely. I'll stick with Windows 7 until Windows 9.
1: I would agree that should be probably most people's thing, unless they want a touch environment. Because from what I understand and from what I was playing with with the betas is that unless you have a touch screen on it, it's not going to be what you're expecting.
0: Right yeah and that's the thing it's same thing they did with Vista moving from from XP to Vista they changed the paradigm they changed the rules what I was just talking about and and they said we're going to dump all this old hardware support we're going to dump all this legacy soft legacy software support and deal with it and they've done it again with Windows eight and said you know they're not dumping the support so much because the the Windows seven apps will still run on it, but they're they're interface wise they're saying the touch is the future, and that's the direction we're going and you're going to come along because we are Microsoft, and that's just the way it is.
1: So we're trading well, carpal tunnel syndrome for tennis elbow and what would be the shoulder? Because I, I don't yeah, know what don't the sh- know. an error in the shoulder would be.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I will say, if you are an advanced user and you use the keyboard a lot, <clears throat> Windows 8 does have a metric ton of keyboard shortcuts to where you can get by without the touch stuff and maybe do stuff faster.
1: Maybe. I don't think windows and fast and keyboard should go along together.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, if you didn't notice there was a little eh, in my voice (laughs) uh, cause it really didn't make any sense. Even as I was thinking it,
1: unless you have PowerShell installed and know all the PowerShell commands that they just released. um, And what seven is when PowerShell came out in full. Uh, yeah, there's not much you can do in Windows 7 or, I guess, in Windows 8.
0: Well, in a, in a related story, not related to that, but related to stuff we've talked about before, uh, Tizen Linux, T-I-Z-E-N, we've mentioned that one before. It, uh, it was one of Seth's uh, pet projects a while back. Uh, recently formed a foundation with, uh, or actually, uh, uh, a number of car makers and tech forms formed a work group uh the automotive grade Linux work group uh to to use Tizen as a reference distribution to create an OS specifically aimed at cars. So um your car will soon be running Linux. There are um um automotive computing platforms now. Uh, my uh, most notably Microsoft's um what do they sync. call that? Is it the Sync? There was something no yep. Sync is built on something else. Ford yeah. is what Sync is what Ford calls it, but it's built on Microsoft something. But anyway, it's CE. It's, it's yeah, it's basically based on CE, but it's designed specifically for cars. Uh, but this work group is looking to create a uh, you know a free a license free open alternative, uh, much like the uh, the Open Handset Alliance uh, ended up creating Android. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there as cars get more and more computerized. That this sort of was bound to happen.
1: Oh yeah, well, and I think it's a good place. Um, I could see you know Linux doing really well on the cars, considering like most web servers they're most of them are running Linux anyway, so you know why mm. would your car be any different than a web server?
2: Well, I'll say Linux has the freedom to be open and free, so it is what people make of it uh right now, twenty twelve Cadillacs have a Linux embedded system in them, and it is horrid. it sucks, yeah. I I I will say that. And the only reason I went and checked it out was because I heard it was running Linux. So I have a buddy. I went and sat in his car for a little bit and I said, this interface sucks. It looks horrible. And it's like 18 taps to get anything done. I said, this was very poorly implemented.
1: Well, and that's typical for most first release in, in any version of Linux. The first release is always horrible. It's always the third or fifth version that are better. So... Well, it's it's coming i bet you when it when someone actually nails it down and actually can figure out you know hey i'm a graphics designer type of guy an interface you know an interface guy they'll be able to tie linux into it the proper way instead of as you said 15 clicks to get somewhere
2: right and i would guess they did it on their own right which means it's going to be harder to do anyway so hopefully these guys team up and they'll be able to do something much better
0: yeah, that always happens when you try to shoehorn, you know, when you get, uh, we talk about it on our show, Art of Podcasting, often is uh, you get a, uh, uh, a digital mixer, who's the their, their manufacturers are good at making mixers, and they hired a programmer to write the drivers for them, and, you know, and they suck, um, and that's that's what's happening with car, you know, like Cadillac is good at cars, they do that really well. Computers, not so much. So they went and hired out, hired a couple of guys, and said, "Figure out a way to cram Linux in the dashboard, will you? And um, we'll give you, you know, an extra case of Mountain Dew for your trouble. Um, (laughs) And don't forget to mop up the floor when you before you leave." So it it was probably that kind of thing. They put no time or effort into it. They just wanted a new checkbox they could put on the website when talking about cars.
1: Right. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what will happen in say three years of development with this. Automotive grade Linux, I'm sure that will be something that we'll see soon and hopefully takes over the world.
0: I'm not entirely sure I'm happy about um desktop oss being crammed into mobile platforms. Um, I, I get using a Linux kernel. I get that. Um, but I think you need to write an OS specifically for the platform. That's I mean that same thing happened with phones. They tried to take Windows. Uh, Windows Mobile and, you know, and put it on the phone and and you know Nokia has done that a number of times with Linux. They try to put um, you know Linux on phones and it's never worked very well. So I like the fact that these guys are trying to create an automotive Linux but I really hope that it um, you know that they're not trying to make it like binary compatible or anything like that. It needs to be its own thing and it doesn't yeah. need to be desktop Linux shoved into the dashboard of a car.
1: Right. I, I think you're right Mark but it, it's. I. I just like the idea that you know maybe down the road we'd have an actual choice between the Microsoft platform or the the Linux platform and whatever, and whatever car we choose. I doubt now, that'll see, happen, but it'd yeah. be nice that it would. That
0: would be awesome if you could you know connect your car to your household Wi-Fi and install the automotive OS of your choice. That would be cool. That would be. Dream on. Yeah, <laughs> I still want to make sure I have a. Uh,
2: vlc in my car though (laughs) so that you can look for things
0: on the big screen well just so when someone sends me something i know it will open and play as uh as computer manufacturers are moving to the small screen as much as possible uh, uh valve always the contrarians are moving to the big screen with their Steam's big picture feature, designed for playing games and and doing Steam stuff on that giant seventy inch plasma that we all have hanging on our wall. We wish. Um, we wish
1: we- definitely, yeah. I, I think it's a cool idea. Um, I, I was the one who brought this, obviously brought this story to the bear, um, but they're actually pushing also to have a Linux based um, console for this so not only does it run linux but it's one of my favorite companies valve pushing this so it's kind of a neat little thing it's available right now in in the steam client so you can actually play with it it's considered their in beta but you can actually run it you know if you have a, a home theater pc you could run it right now um so it it's kind of cool um, I, i'm actually going to be bringing one of my towers out to test it out here as soon as I can get spousal approval.
0: See, I need, and and literally, as a content producer, I need for the worlds of online content and the worlds of uh, living room media to collide more dramatically than they have. I would love for you to be able to listen to my stuff on your car stereo without having to jack in your ipod or or your phone or whatever i would love to be able to for people to watch this stream though i don't know why they would uh on their uh living room so that you can see my head four feet tall how awesome would that be (laughs) um that the the consumers have come to understand and accept on-demand media Things like Netflix and Vudu and uh, every cable company, every satellite company offers on-demand video. That that has uh, a, a arrived in the public consciousness in such a way that it's it's just expected now. Um, yep. And I think it's not going to be too far down the line that uh, that major uh producers the you know nbc and those guys are going to have start uh offering their content in a more a la carte mode i mean we we have sh- uh, sites like hulu and and you can go to nbc.com or cbs.com and download some of their content but it's still very restrictive and you got to go do it on your pc and i really think that we need to break down that barrier and the way to do that is is to make uh consumer electronics smarter to put computers in your television, to put computers in your, uh, in your your cars, the stuff that we're talking about, and it's going to happen, for certain. Uh, I'm just impatient. I want it to happen now. I, I have a, a home theater PC connected to my computer, and it's still kludgy. I have to have it connected. I have to have a, a special adapter. I've, I, you know, I've got it all set up so that it works with my my multifunction remote, usually. But sometimes it doesn't. Like just the other day, we had uh, my daughter had a, a, a friend st- spending the night, and we were all going to sit down and uh, in the living room and, and as a group watch a Disney movie. And so I pulled it all up and said, "Oh wait a minute, I got to reboot the TV first because uh, it it wasn't working. It was playing all choppy, and I had to reboot the computer. Those things need to go away. It needs to be simple to be able to pull down whatever you want to watch and watch it or listen to it wherever you want to listen to it. And I think that you know Steam is is moving in the right direction there. I think other people are. Uh it just frustrates me that we're not there yet.
1: Yeah, it's and Val the, the next link that I put on I'll drop it in the show notes or in this in the chat room for everybody. But it it's a, a, a couple of pages of article on how the guys of Steam work, how how they do things, how they think. It, it's a really it's a lengthy article, um, and I don't wanna try to even paraphrase it because it's three pages on my screen. Uh,
0: it's and it's the, we've talked about this sort of stuff before. Valve is a company where you get hired and then you tell them what you're good at. It's not the other way around. Um, they right. ju- they just kind of say here you're. It's it's fascinating. They give you a desk on wheels. Literally, you get a desk. It's not a cubicle, but you get a desk on wheels, and they say push this over to whoever you want to work with. And if there's nobody you want to work with, start your own project. We hired you yep. because we think you're a smart guy. You figure out what you should do, and prove it which is um, yeah. you know very much unusual
1: yeah well the the whole company's been that way since the beginning um you know this isn't the first time i've seen in the you know the i i, I kind of titled that as a look into the minds of valve these guys are way over the top when it comes to their their out of the box thinking and i really am, i really am glad there's such a gaming company behind this and to see them branching out into the the, the living room and doing um, software um, things now too, if you are a Steam member, you can actually go into their store and buy software now. Um, that's new; they they just started releasing software. So like now, the stuff that's listed in there is like their art base, you know, how to do three D design and three D marks and etc. But this is just the The top of the iceberg. It'll be interesting to see how far down the rabbit hole the Valve company goes.
0: And as you mentioned, their uh, appliance that they're working on is Linux based, which leads you to the obvious conclusion that finally, someday, a Linux client will be here, and that someday may come sooner than you think.
1: Right now, um, and I'll drop that article in there too. This, and I've been watching this every, very, very tightly since I first saw the um this post about it over on the valve uh, RSS feed but right now it's in private beta with 200 members and eventually um, and they, they say within the next couple of weeks there'll be a sign up page for a thousand public people to sign into the private beta to test it on their hardware to see what it's like this is I've never seen a, a gaming company a do this and the fact that they're also giving away a game to the people that are doing the the testing is just awesome in my opinion um it's coming for ubuntu to start with but but who knows how they're going to package it when it's finally when it's all done maybe they'll do an sh maybe they'll do a deb maybe they'll do who knows what but bring it on valve there's people here just chomping at it and want it so bring it
0: I've never, and I've said this before on the show. I've never downloaded or even looked at Steam. I'm not a big gamer, not really into that. Um, but if they can make that transition from games to other content, then then they will definitely uh, uh, earn themselves a spot on my hard drive.
1: Yeah, it's it's really right now. Um, they've released something that was called. Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. Top of my head, uh, give me two seconds to grab it. It's called the. Source filmmaker. And what it is, is you can load up and make comic movies or whatever with their characters. So like the Team Fortress 2 characters, the Left 4 Dead characters, uh, the Half Life characters. So you can actually pull them up into a, into this movie designer and make a animated movie with their stuff for nothing. Cool. Um, yeah. and they I- actually, they actually match your the the voice. You know, if you're going to have the characters talking, they'll actually match or try to match the lip motions to the words, and it's actually pretty close. So I'm really impressed with it already.
0: Yeah, there's there are other technologies already out there for that, uh, but it, it's it's cool to see. I love it when power uh, comes to the end user. You know, it's uh, we can already do things that that only the high-end pros could do i mean uh uh, windows movie maker or or kdn live or imovie pick any one of those uh are what professionals had 30 years ago you know Mm -hmm. so it's we're we're three generations or, or way more than that uh behind but finally the good stuff comes to to the consumers and so yeah it won't be long until uh producing something the equivalent of the original halo video a uh, Halo game will be something that any high schooler will be able to do.
1: Yeah, It'll be, it's a cool endeavor and I can't wait to see where it goes, but there's my, my valve fanboy hat too, I guess. <laughs> well,
0: that's okay. Um, and I'm skipping over a couple of things that, uh, that, that I don't think are interesting, but this one I do think is interesting. Canonical, um has it's been around for a while but they've d- done a hefty um um upgrade on their ubuntu management tool designed for uh using ubuntu in large um installations and it's called landscape uh, Landscape 12.09 is uh, is designed to manage system-wide software updates and security and compliance issues and all that sort of stuff uh, for large Ubuntu distributions, uh, which, you know, isn't necessarily the purview of the everyday home Linux user, but it sure is cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's I, that's like group policy, but now Linux form.
2: Right. Yeah. I saw a uh, presentation to this at last year's OLF it definitely needed to grow a little bit but I did see where they were going um I'll say I don't like the fact that this is closed source it's non-GPL code and they basically want to charge you uh $100 per desktop and $700 per server per year uh with that said if it does do exactly what you need it to do in your enterprise, then maybe it is the right solution. But just because it's closed sourced, I feel like it it, it um, isn't going to grow as fast as it could. Well,
0: I think the, the way I look at this, uh, um, it's an enterprise tool. Enterprises not only are okay with paying for things, but in many cases prefer to pay for things. Uh, an enterprise um, feels comfortable when there's a price tag. I dealt with that when I was in that world uh, constantly. You know, the old adage, if it's free, can it possibly be good? So I honestly think that's a good business decision to put a price tag on it Uh, because the only people would be, I mean, you and I aren't going to be interested in an enterprise-grade tool like that. So only large organizations are going to and I have to wonder how many enterprise installations of Ubuntu they are. I think it's probably a, a relatively small market. So if you're going to put any uh, of your company's money into it is reasonable to expect to get some money out of it. But, you know, yeah. I totally also get the point of anything Linux data wants to be free. Stallman lives forever. Yada, yada.
1: Well, know, the other it's thing- just,
2: what if you pay for this? And then in, you know, eight months, Ubuntu decides we're we're going to change our business plan. Now we're going to sell shoes. Well, uh, what you would you do consumer? in the
0: case of, of Microsoft or Apple? It's, I mean, it's, there's I'm no not- difference there. I wouldn't use them either Uh, uh,
2: and I can tell you, I've attended at least three conferences in the last year and a half for government enterprise kind of conferences. Open source is actually being mentioned there. Not at the rate of course I would like it to be, but compared to five years ago, an insane amount compared to five years ago, I think businesses and enterprise are coming to the realization they need to cut and save money and there's only so many people they can fire and there's only so many pay cuts they can do before they hit a wall.
1: Well, and you know, uh, on the other side of this coin, yeah, this is cool and it's a great idea, but there's other management tools already there, such as Puppet. Now, Puppet, you have to know all the different switches and commands and the voodoo that it needs, which I think from what I'm reading in this article, this landscape program can pull through Puppet or pull or push out through puppet as well so i think it's i wonder if it's just a pretty interface for some of these other command line tools that are already there
2: um it does do a little bit of stuff differently on its own but i will say a fair percentage of its back end is relying on open source and if people pay for a front end some administrators need a front end i will say that Especially those who 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 grew up in the Windows world. You You said it, Mark. Send all hate mail, too.
1: Well, I'm (laughs) one of
0: them. I I prefer a GUI interface. I still install GUI interfaces on all of my servers. Yes, go ahead. Hit me with your best shot. When I install um, a Linux server, I put GNOME on it. Because there's no reason not to. It uses that much more resources, and it makes it easier for me. Anything that makes it easier for me, I'm going to do. So, there well, I,
1: I I understand that, Mark. But, you know, there's some people, you know, the, the geeks and the, the neck beards and the bandana guys out there that they want to eke as much performance out as they can. And they'll go command line, which, you know, hello, brothers. <laughs> welcome.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. And I'll say, correct me wrong, Windows Server 2012, it, it went, when you load the default, you're not getting a GUI. You
0: have to load something
2: else to get that GUI.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm out of that world. I'm not a server administrator anymore. I haven't used server twenty twelve, so I'll well, take your
2: word for it. Is there room where you're at? Because I don't want to be in that world either.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm no hey, longer should we
1: get on to some more stuff.
0: I'm no longer a network administrator, and now I just whine about network administrators. I've become a user who complains <sighs> about the network admins. Well, you're oh, doing uh, your job well, I hear. All right. Thank you. Good. Uh, and, and we're going to wrap that up for the news. There's more stuff there, uh, but uh, I think we're going to skip it for now just because we're 40 minutes in and we're just now, uh, we're still in the news section. So uh, this show, we're going to, to cover some some more listener comments. That's what we did last week. And uh, not only was it a good thing because we didn't have to really come up with any content, but it created a firestorm. You guys heard uh, us reading comments and you sent more comments. Awesome. Keep it up! Uh, no more. I, I would love for this show to have you know an hour segment every week on us answering listener comments. That would be great. Um, so we're gonna go. I'm just gonna go with uh, some things that uh, our listeners have sent to us. First comes from Jeff F, and I'm just using the names that they put on their emails or their post to us. So some of them are full names, some of them are not. Uh just uh, I assumed that's what they want to be called. So Jeff F says, I'm a new listener to the show and it's great and I don't really need to read anymore, right? We can just stop right Right.
1: There. <laughs> uh yeah, that's it, we're done.
0: <laughs> he said, I heard you guys were looking for topics, so I've got one for you. Virtualization methods. I work for a VPS host and I've learned the differences, but it'd be great if other people who maybe don't know uh but want to. Uh there's uh, KVM and OpenVZ and Zen and I think it'd be cool to hear a podcast about all of them. Thanks for the show. Uh, thanks for the great show jeff f uh so jeff i will say that we did cover virtualization a couple of times i went back and looked it was episode 12 and episode 49 specifically and we've talked about it throughout the the last you know 68 episodes off and on but you just said you're a new listener so you don't know that so go back and check those out however we have not gone in depth and taken one apart um Uh, kvm or openvz or xan these linux-based uh hypervisors uh so that might be something we'll do in the future uh i don't know if we will or not Uh, i can't make any promises because that's something that uh, is going to require uh you know something you've got to use well uh we like when we cover a topic we like to do more than just read bullet points off a website we like to be able to bring our own commentary so uh Unless we find an expert out there or even just a regular, a power user of those things, uh, it may be a while before we gather the expertise to do that. So if you're listening to the show and you're a KVM or OpenVZ or Zen or Proxmox, or if you're a guru and one of those guys, uh, let us know and we'll bring you on the show and you can shine.
1: Yeah. We like listener spotlights. They're fun too.
0: Absolutely. Any other comments about virtualization, guys?
1: I like KVM saying that's my that's my one of choice right now
0: yeah
2: i'll say kvm to me seems like the best solution for power for like raw power
0: yeah and it's uh it's the difference between a virtualizer and a hypervisor which we've talked about before and it's the, the 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 barest essential operating system just to keep things running. It's it's like a spinal cord. There's no brain to it. It's just a spinal cord, and then it, it, it does all the other RAM and processor power uh, of the machine goes to running your virtual machines. Is that a good description?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. It's close enough.
0: <laughs> I like to put things in shirt sleeves English around here as much as possible. Uh, it's safer that way. <laughs> yeah, because uh, then when I'm wrong... I can just say, well, look, I simplified it to make it easier. It's not that I was wrong. (laughs) I just simplified it. Actually, I don't mind being called wrong, and it's a good thing because it happens regularly. Uh, If you go look in the forums for any of our shows, you'll find people routinely taking me to task for one thing or another, like dental. Who knew that a comment about dental (laughs) health would, uh, would raise somebody's ire? But, you know, I'm fine with that. That's awesome. Bring it on, people. I love to hear from you all. Our next one is comes from McVries. I'm going to assume that's the way you pronounce it. M-C-V-R-I-E-S. McVries. And he says, Hi all. uh, Regarding episode 67 from Everyday Linux and the advice of not using swap. I knew I'd take a beating on that one. Uh, (laughs) I'd like to comment. (laughs) And first, uh, and the compliments to your show will be at the end of my message. It's just so you have to read it all. Um, I have a ProBook 5320M from HP Laptop. For work running Ubuntu 12.04 with a limitation on memory it can only hold four gigs and no more now I've upgraded it with an SSD which improves speed like very very much and I've made a swap partition roughly 8 gigs in size why well effectively I've got 12 gigs of memory now running two VMs in a virtual box uh, with uh, four gigs of memory uh, uh, on on each works during boot it slows down a bit but after boot it works very well to compare, on a conventional disk, this would halt my entire system. And it would fry my disk, I suppose. Trust me, I tried swapping on a regular disk, and it slows down. Uh, and on an SSD, it doesn't, in my experience. Furthermore, thanks to swap, I can hibernate my system. No swap, no hibernation. That's another reason I would say, even on an SSD, mine is 238 gigs, effectively, use swap. Um, what's your thought on this after my comment? I like your show, down to earth, not uber geeks. I'm sure Uber geek in the chat room is hurting from that. Uh, but real people having fun and helping each other out. Nice show. Thanks, McVries. Uh, so I'm going to let Dor, who's been shaking his head through that entire email, comment first.
2: McVries, I hope you have expendable money. I hope you literally have money falling out of your pocket because you are killing that SSD drive. You should never put swap on an SSD drive. You are unnaturally aging that drive.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah I, as, uh, we've talked about it before, and when anytime we've mentioned SSD, we've brought this up. SSD has a finite life cycle. Uh, every time you write to, uh, reading from doesn't do any damage, but every time you right. write to SSD, you destroy it a little bit. Um, And then every time you write to it, you destroy it a little more. And eventually, you will wear out that cell. Now, SSDs uh, consist of millions and millions of memory cells, just like your own brain does. But eventually, uh, when you write to something uh, too many times, it just goes away. And just like on a regular hard drive, the system marks that as bad and moves on. And so you start losing space on your drive. Now, if he's running swap, he's doing thousands of writes in in an average session. And really thrashing that SSD, and so that um, uh, section. And unfortunately, because of the way SSD does, because of its random access nature, it's not confined to one section. So he's given it eight gigs, but that eight gigs can be anywhere on the system at any time, wherever he needed it. So you're not you're not just thrashing one eight gig section of your drive. You are routinely, on a regular basis, destroying large sections of your SSD.
2: Yeah, thanks to um wear leveling technology and if his ssd is as large as it sounds like large ssds even have a smaller number of finite write cycles because they essentially use leveling to cram more data in which means when you are writing you're actually doing three times the damage if it's three levels deep
0: um and not only that, but uh, because you're use, dealing something with a larger amount of capacity, there's fewer spares. All drives, whether whether magnetic or flash or SSD, have spare sectors. The bigger the drive gets, the chintzier they get with the spares because the, it's just a cost-saving
2: technique. Absolutely. Just the, the last two things I'll say is if you have an SSD, you don't need Hibernate because it should literally take you like five seconds to boot. Okay. So you, you really shouldn't need Hibernate. Your system should boot so fast. Secondly, if you don't believe us, what we're saying about hard drives, I highly encourage you to look at one of the podcasts over at PodNuts called My um, called My Hard Drive Died. The uh, co-host on that show is maybe the most advanced hard drive expert there is, at least maybe that does a show. I mean, this guy gets hired by FBI and other major institutions with three letters to teach them how to recover data, store data, work with drives. I have a nasty habit of believing somebody with that kind of
1: cred. Think most people should.
0: So, uh, McVries, thanks for being a listener. Uh, but that's a really bad idea. <laughs> well, no, no, it it not listening to the show. Listening to the show one. is not a bad idea. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. well, and if he doesn't mind buying a new one, essentially quicker than he should have to, then there's right. no problem with it. You know, if he doesn't mind, hey, roll on, power on, have fun.
0: Yeah, and and yeah. and realistically, we're we're talking about uh, reducing the lifespan. These things haven't been around long enough for us to really have data on how much it's trashing. We just know that the laws of physics say that you're wearing out your disk faster. Now, you may get six years out of it, in which case you're probably still not going to be using that laptop anyway. We don't know. But but yeah. right now, the, the best practice uh, recommendations from the experts is never put swap on SSD. You are seeing a huge performance gain, but you're also literally, in every uh, legitimate way, destroying the drive as you do it. Yep.
1: So just don't do that with swap. Put, put another spinning disc in there and put swap on that, and then you'll be all right.
0: That's what I do. Or just don't use swap. <laughs> I stand by my recommendation. Don't use swap. I understand I'm alone in this. I'm the lone voice calling out in the wilderness, but I'm okay with that. I'll uh,
1: throw you some breadcrumbs every once in a while, Mark. There you go.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Send Hansel and Gretel out. <laughs> uh, and then our last one is from a fellow by the name of Joe Patterson. And it's a rather long one, so instead of reading it and then commenting on it, we're going to read it and comment as we go, uh, because it's a long one. Joe says, Mark, Seth, Chris, and sometimes Aaron. And I'm sure he meant to say door, uh, so I'll add that for him. I'm writing in to express my appreciation for the EDL podcast and the time you spend to produce it. With each show, I learn so much about bacon and homemade smokers and movies and barbecue brisket. Oh, and Linux, too. I really enjoy the way your podcast deviates off topic into conversations about different subjects and funny stories. I just listened to an old episode with stories about Tim, Tom and Brian, Tim hilarious. So please don't become disciplined in your podcast production and start leaving out the good stuff. No worries. Uh, what was the name? I just already heard Joe. No worries, Joe. Uh, there's no fear that we're ever going to be disciplined. It's never going to happen. No, no, uh, because first off, look at who I have to work with. And secondly, look at who's leading the show. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) either end of the spectrum is not likely to result in great discipline. Uh, So continue on with this letter. I wish I I could provide some new show topics, but all I can come up with is follow-up questions about several older podcasts. Excellent. I'm a Windows user interested in Linux for a reason I can't really articulate. I saw an Ubuntu box set up at my local computer shop about a year ago, and I've been curious since. I do not hate Windows. In fact, Windows 7 is just fine with me. Vista also worked well for me for several years. I'd still be using Vista if my hard drive had not failed, taking Vista with it. I still have XP at work. My family loves Netflix, and we use it daily. Uh, a stay-at-home mom with two kids, five and three, so we'll always have Windows on our family computers for Netflix access. Until, Until Netflix, Netflix, you know, grows up. Yeah, or uh, oh. maybe the Steam guys will will uh, overdo that. Um, well,
1: he he
2: could just run Android.
0: That runs Netflix just fine. That's true. On no. some devices, not all of them. Yeah, true. Um, anyway. He says my computer interests are home theater PCs, a home server or NAS, video editing, editing, kids educational software, and games. Excellent. We've done episodes on all of those things. So as you go back and listen, you will find those. He says, I didn't know I had an interest in building a firewall until I listened to episode 39, The Boris Box. Now I feel I must have a Boris Box.
1: You know, that that reminds me um, my, uh, I don't know what you're holding up door, but that looks pretty cool. Uh, I have a, my, one of my high school kids that works with me during, that was working with me during the Boris Box episode. Ever since that episode, whenever we say anything about a firewall, it's that Boris Box, you know, we, it don't let anyone in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's just it's funny. And I even got an email from him a couple days ago saying that he rebuilt his Boris box to make sure no one gets it. Yeah.
0: You have cool cash. Good. So, uh, Dor, were you showing us that new Android USB slash HDMI box? Um, this is one of Mia. Yeah.
2: This was also my um my um presen, presentation computer at OLF. This is a uh, MK802. Um, micro computer with a standard usb power micro sd mini hdmi and uh i think it's micro usb and this out of the box runs android it runs netflix decently and it's 70 bucks versus a windows box you know three four five hundred dollars um Bang for the buck. This works pretty good for Netflix for a home theater experience. Not fantastic, but decent.
0: I've been looking to upgrade my box. We we did uh, a, a lot of talking about it. I have a, an old Acer Revo uh, Aspire uh, box that uh, it's got the old uh, uh, Ion processor, uh, which is is great. It's just it's not it's not. It's not awesome. It uh, hesitates. It won't run Netflix. It it doesn't run uh, Flash. So I've been looking at upgrading my box there to something else. What else you got there, Dore? Well, I'll you this he one. He brought the gadgets this week. Well, yeah. He did. This is
2: this is the one that is fan frigging tastic. It does um, very well with spousal a um, a uh, approval. It's called a melee M E L E A one thousand. And it is more, much more of a set-top box. The biggest advantage to this one is the Android out of the box is much more pre-configured to be a set-top box, where in the MK802, it's basically factory vanilla Android with Gmail and contacts and calendar on it, where this one does not. It also comes with a very functional remote. Um, And if you stop and think about it, there's a lot of stuff you can stream to Android. You can stream Netflix. You can stream Pandora. You can stream Plex. You can stream Amazon video via the Firefox beta browser. And it's almost good, dare I say, uh, but it is acceptable. Um, so for me, home for the home set top box that has some level of spousal, a, um, a, um, approval the um melee a1000 is by far right now in my eyes
0: leading the pack what's the price point on that
2: uh well if you go to the uh amazon affiliate link for element op uh it is i want to say you can get it from about
0: 115 to 118 which is about what i paid for my uh acer Nettop. so right. that's you know it's just the the technology is changing Right it's about what and,
1: you'd pay for a, a Boxy or a, a Roku.
0: Right.
2: Right. Well, and here's the plus that goes along with the Boxy and the um, Roku versus a full computer. There's no actual installation. There's no configuration. There's no video drivers. There's no sound issues.
0: It just works. Yep. Well, that just took right. all the fun of it. If I can't spend three days oh, uh, searching up keep- just the right driver, well, what's the point? <laughs> well,
2: You can, well, okay, here's the plus. With Android, you can tweak. You can tweak the desktop interface so every time your family turns it on, they get something completely different, and then they have to scream for dad. All
1: right.
0: So uh, moving on in his email, he says, so my questions. Home server, episode 42. I'd like to have a centralized place to store my photos, uh, home movies, ripped DVDs, all legally purchased, uh, and and think a home server or NAS would be nice. Uh, I'm not sure if Linux or Windows Home Server would be the better of the two. I don't want to shell out several hundred dollars for new hardware to run the Windows Home Server if I can run Linux Distro or FreeNAS on an old Pentium 4 with a gig of RAM. For this reason, I'm leaning toward Linux. Also, I want to use a server for those uh, mythical automated backups. Uh, so terminology for streaming media, is there a difference between a server and a NAS? Uh, will uh, using F in it? NTFS for the file system format on the Linux server uh, or NAS allow both Windows boxes and Linux boxes to retrieve the media. What hardware requirements do I need? For streaming videos, uh, movies, DVD rips, and home movies, can I repurpose a single core Pentium 4 with a gig of RAM? Would a Pentium 2 gigahertz dual core provide any benefit? For the video encoding or transcoding, does the server need uh, the GPU CPU horsepower or can a PC attached to my HDTV do the encoding and transcoding? Will I need Samba? If so, since I'm not a power user, is installing and configuring Samba so difficult as to send a noob to the Windows Home Server rather than Linux? All right, so let's take those one at a time. That was um, a lot. You don't yeah. need a server for storage; an AS will do just fine. A NAS—that's yep. not what it sounded like. I said a NAS will do just fine. Um, but to do these other things that you said, you're going to need a PC. So a uh, NAS is just a place to put stuff. You've still got to ex- access it somewhere. So unless your TV is smart enough to be able to look for a share on the network, that's not going to help you. So right. I-, I think you do definitely need a home server. Uh, Linux is just fine. You s- Don't put Windows home server in. I- I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Uh, yeah. You can do a Windows 7 desktop for a fraction of the cost if you decide you want to go Windows. But don't do home server. It's just way too much. No.
1: Home server's uh, bad. Stay away. Yeah.
0: And uh, depending on what you want to do, the hardware uh, you listed will be fine. Um, for uh, Now, the file system, NTFS, uh, w- has nothing to do with accessing things over the internet. So uh, that is where Samba is going to come in. And, and if you run Linux, yes, you will have to have Samba. And the installation is generally something like apt get install Samba and you're done. Or exactly. the, it may even come with it, depending on which distro you get. So d- d- yeah, that's certainly nothing uh, difficult at all. Um,
1: okay. Well, and then he could also, he, he, instead of going with a, a standard Linux install, he could go with something that's more glorified for a network-attached storage device that has the server bits to it. Right. So something like your your FreeNAS, your Unraid, um, I don't remember that last time I was looking at, um, that it, does the DLLA. Gonna- if so you're going to do that, to though, PlayStation or whatever, if you're going to um, do that,
0: you have to have two boxes one to hook up to your TV and one to store your stuff. You're not going to be able true. to hook free NAS up to your TV and watch movies on it. Right. Right. Kate, are you guys it ready for like the he's curve?
1: Sounds like falling through a machine anyway.
2: Right. Go ahead, Door. Are you guys ready for the curve or the swerve? Sure. This is my box that he's describing. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Sounds like it. Uh, It is the MK802, and what I did was I installed an Android application called Servers Ultimate, which will allow me to turn this into any kind of server in existence, including DLNA, which is what you stream to PS3 and Xbox and other things. Uh, And I have an external hard drive connected to this, which is a um, terabyte drive. Uh, So this is my NAS. This is my DLNA dlna server and this is all those other servers and samba server all in one again the biggest advantage is you do not need to open anything up and edit anything or install anything extra to configure your server you just install that one app you click add you click new you click dlna you enter the data in and you're done
0: awesome but, assuming you don't want to go that route, and you do want to set up a, a Linux box, we'll, we'll go uh, on and answer your questions, uh, a, a single core Pentium 4 with a gig of RAM, um, d- again, it depends on what you want to do. In terms of serving up stuff, that's plenty. That's way oh, more yeah. than that box Doors talking about has in it. It's uh, you know That's way more than, like a, what what is it Western Digital calls their sharing their smart drives? Anyway, uh, those guys have... Uh, like 386 or even 286 processors in them. Right. Um, so that's that's fine for the server side. If you're going to use it as your media center, like I was talking about, my home theater PC, you're going to need a little more guts. Um, and there's two ways you can go about it. You can do all the tr- the uh, transcoding in software, in which case you need a beefy PC and lots of RAM, or you can do it in hardware, in which case you need a hardware accelerated graphics card. you got to pick one or the other. Yep. Um, now, hardware accelerated graphics cards are pretty cheap these days. You can get one for uh, fifty bucks and slap it in your old machine, and you'll be fine. Uh, so you can, you know, your ripped DVDs you can put on there and play them through your HDMI port, port and it'll be like butter for not much money. But if you don't want to yeah. go that route, if you're going to do everything in software, and and um, then you're running into you got to have more processors. That's the situation I'm in right now with my. Uh, the home theater PC I was talking about uh, for certain things, hardware acceleration works. But for like Flash and Silverlight, that I would need to do Netflix or YouTube or anything like that, those though that chip isn't hardware accelerated for those applications, so it has to do that in software and running a 1.2 gigahertz processor. Uh, It just can't handle it. So I can't watch like YouTube videos when my daughter wants to watch her My Little Pony YouTube videos. I can't do that on the home theater PC because it just doesn't have the guts in the right place. It's got an accelerated graphics card, but not where Flash is concerned. So those are the kind of issues you're going to run into with that kind of box. Uh, So if you want to just plunk down some cash and buy a box designed for that, uh, Doors MK802 sounds like a good way to go.
2: Well, It's just one option and I'll say I've answered these kinds of questions a lot in the past and it's such a wild card because everybody likes different types of media. Some people only care about streaming soccer from over the pond. Some people only care about YouTube type type videos. Some people only care about DVDs that they ripped and each one has a little bit of a different need. Right. I'll say.
1: Yep. Yeah and it's it's one of those things that you're never going to actually figure out what where you are until you start playing with it. Because yep. once you start playing with it, you'll realize, okay, I don't need DLNA because I'm not streaming anything from the box to a DLNA server or a client. You may just need a Samba share or an NFS share, right. and bing, you have everything right there. So it's one of those things, until you start playing with it, you can't answer it, we can't answer it, because we don't know what you're actually looking for.
0: So yeah. my advice, if, if you don't have a box, well, you're trying to use old hardware, uh, go ahead and do it, but understand that uh, in the realm of streaming is where you're going to run into trouble. Um, it'll, it'll probably play at MP4 like butter. I, it'll probably mm-hmm. do that at 720p, maybe even 1080p with no issues at all. Um, depending on the, the, the graphics card, I mean, even, even on a, uh, a Pentium 4, the graphics card in that, if it's got an HDMI out, uh, is probably capable of 720p, uh, resolution on an MP4 without any trouble. But when you start trying to get it from other sources, from Netflix, from Vudu, from YouTube, there's a lot more software that has to happen there and you're likely going to run into trouble. Yeah, and um, the one two super quick thing i had is the box
2: in the back as that is being the um a server, processors and RAM are almost uh, negligible. What you right. really need is disk read speed and network speed. Right,
0: throw a gig yeah. card in there and a SATA drive at least. Yeah, and you'll be perfectly yeah, fine. Sure. Then on sorry,
1: go ahead, door. I was just gonna say, yeah. you make sure that you have you know gigabit through and through at least um wi-fi is nice for when you're just browsing around the website but if you're trying to stream something wi-fi sucks
2: yeah it can drop off even if you have n it might drop off and then on the front end you really need almost hard drive speed doesn't matter you can basically run almost with no hard drive because on the front end you just need networking speed processor speed and
0: graphics speed And and if you're doing flash, like Mark said,
2: then you need a lot.
0: Now, my setup is the, the little Atom processor with the Ion video chipset uh, with an HDMI connected straight to my TV and then USB external hard drives plugged into that. I don't have – it is my central storage, but, you know, it's running the Windows uh, 7 that came with it when I bought it uh, or Vista maybe. I'm not sure which. Uh, so, uh, you know, and I don't ever – I run the XBMC Media Center. On it, so I don't really ever interface with the OS. So I copy files up to that after I rip them on my laptop. Uh, I don't uh, play uh, rip files with it because it's just too slow. So I use my fast uh, laptop to rip the DVDs. I copy them over there. I play them straight off the external hard drive, and it's great. But when I try to go out to the web to pull something down, it can't handle it. So uh, that's when, like, when I want to watch. Uh, The Cowboys, because I can't watch them in Atlanta anymore, Uh, I have to hook up my laptop to my TV because my laptop just can't do it, It, it not well enough. So those are the sort of things you're going to run into if you try to use old stuff or underpowered stuff.
2: Right. And there's two super last-second quickies. If you want to try using a Windows box as the back end, look at Orb, orb orb.com, and if you want to use a Linux box as a back end, I heavily encourage you to look at Plex, P-L-E-X, what both yeah, of these that was do what I was
1: talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause uh, both of these on the fly, when a connection is made inside of your network or outside of, of, of your n- network, they first do a speed test and on the fly change the quality of the video. So you'll get as little lag, as little hiccups, as little, uh, stutters as possible with the best video possible. So you don't have to worry about, am I transcribing this in the right format? Is it wrong? Should I do higher
0: quality? Should I do faster? I mean, all of those questions you don't have to worry about. All right. So moving on with his email, uh, he says the Boris box episode 39, a remedial network question. I assume the Boris box would be positioned between my cable modem and a gigabit switch, and that it would replace my Linksys wireless router for the wired ethernet traffic. I also assume that um, I still need my wireless router for wireless devices. So, where should my existing Linksys wireless router go to provide wireless access? I'm guessing after the switch. Um, no. The way you do that is you have two network cards in your Boris box. One's plugged into your router, the other one's plugged into your um, cable box. And you let th- that's the way I recommend doing it. Essentially, you have two routers there. You're still using your router to provide like a DMZ. Then your Boris box is acting as a second router between you and your cable company. Um, it's a simple setup that way, and it's it's a little extra uh, security if you've already got the box. Uh, but if you don't want to do it that way, uh, you can just use just a regular wireless access point plugged straight into the bar- Boris box, and that'll work fine. So, uh, but the the where you position that is you exactly the way you've got it now. Stick it between whatever your uh, wireless device is now and your cable box. And that becomes your new firewall. You're not using the firewall in your cable, uh, Comcast or, or cable router anymore. Actually, you are still using it, but you're using an extra layer. Yeah, what they call double natting. Right. And and one of the reasons that's good, um, and this gets into to so, sort of an esoteric thing, but um, if your wireless gets, somebody gets on your wireless, like say you run an unencrypted wireless, which I did forever, uh, because I'm one of those guys. I like to share stuff. Um, once somebody hits that, the firewall is irrelevant because they're on your network. They can do anything they could do as if they walked into your living room and plugged in. So doing it with the double natting gives you an extra layer of security, not a lot, if you're still running open wireless now there is a way to do it where you can run two wireless routers one open and one secured and your your open one is behind your boris box and your secured one is in front of your boris box uh if you want to go that route uh that's that's uh the way to be super secure and still be the good citizen sharing your bandwidth with the world uh but what I did when I moved was I just put up a, a WPA2 encryption key and said, no more free Wi-Fi for you, uh, and did it that way. So I have a, a secured wireless, and I have it going into my Boris box, and then from there to my cable company, problem solved. And and one other thing, if you're going to do that, you probably need to set your, uh, wireless, uh, your cable router in what they call bridge mode call your cable company and ask how to do that. And that will make it essentially transparent so that it looks like your Boris box is directly connected to the internet. Um, If you try to do the double natting thing, you can run into problems. Some wireless, uh, some cable routers just don't like that. Won't let you do that. Uh, I ran into that situation where uh, with my uh, DSL router years ago, I just couldn't. The only way it was going to hook up Uh, was if I did it in bridge mode. And that's generally you you push down this button and hold this button while you're turning it on. And there's some switch, or sometimes even they could do it remotely. They'll flip a switch and remotely put you in bridge mode. And that makes your cable box essentially a direct gateway, no firewall, no NAT, no nothing. And then you set up uh, even like a hardwired, if you have a a static IP address or, or DHCP on your Boris box, and it becomes your only firewall. Didn't mean to muddy the waters too much there, but if you find it's not working, doing with the double net, that's why, and you'll have to go to right. bridge mode. Yeah, and
2: also with the double net, sometimes PlayStation 3s or Xboxes will not connect to the internet correctly,
0: or they won't connect with optimal speed. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're almost sure to not be able to use Skype that way. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving right along. Home Theater PC. Uh, Egg and Amazon sell Home Theater PC cases, uh, but Best Buy doesn't com- carry a commercial turn- turnkey Home Theater PC case anymore. Is there any reason why those uh, cases are left for in- enthu- enthusiasts to build? Do you still recommend Boxy software for Linux since the only way to get it now is from third-party host, Boxy doesn't offer software for its download any longer. They only sell the Boxy Box devices. Um, does anyone even use TV tuner cards anymore? I have a whole, pie, whole page internal card that came with my five-year-old HP desktop. I'd like to press it into service for a Mythbuntu Myth TV box. Uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, home theater PCs are becoming the Roku and the Boxy box. Yep. That's why nobody sells them anymore because yep. Roku and Boxy are doing it. So if you if you want uh, to build your own, you're literally going to have to build your own. Uh, I don't use Boxy anymore. I went back to XBMC uh, because they essentially dropped support for Boxy. It wasn't being updated. It wasn't being uh, cared about anymore. It pissed me off. Uh, So I dumped them. Uh, So now I'm I'm using XBMC, which is what Boxy is built off of. Uh, And I will admit there are some things about it I don't like as much as Boxy. There are some features of Boxy that I missed, Uh, but at least it's being updated, and and still being worked on. So if you really want a turnkey solution, go buy a Roku or a Boxy Box, and it's a, a you know one thing you plug in and you're done. Um, so the you know the world of turnkey and the world of do it yourself uh, used to have some overlap. Now they really don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: it seems like the benefit you get now from building your own. In comparison, seems to be, dare I say, much less, where in like five, six, eight years ago, you almost had
0: to build your own to get certain things to work. And as far as the TV tuner cards, uh, with digital everything, those are kind of pointless anymore. If you've got digital cable or satellite TV they don't work they only work with standard analog cable uh which probably won't give you high def anyway or over the air signals uh so no most people aren't using them anymore because they were expensive and you if you wanted like a picture in picture you had to have two of them if you wanted to record something and, and watch something else you had to have two of them so they're they're still out there but they've kind of fallen by the wayside people are letting their digital boxes do that their, their cable boxes or their satellite boxes do that and using a uh, home theater PCs just for streaming stuff. And generally yeah. those two worlds have diverged almost completely.
1: Yeah. The only exception that would be like if you're getting a, uh, some providers still offer PC tuner cards that would do the digital. Um, those are pretty rare and expensive um, yeah. because I know there's a couple of them that you can get that are like five tuner digital TV, five tuner cards. Um, but they're, you know, you're going to put down some pretty good money for that for any of the providers that actually offer them.
0: Right. And if you ever move, it won't work with your new provider.
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I'll just
2: throw out there. If you do option to go towards the Myth TV box, uh, don't hesitate to go by MythCast. Tell them I sent you. Ask them for help, guidance on hardware or how to do software configs. They've been doing it for years, so they know MythTV like the back of their hand. every time I go to set up Myth TV, it's like 10 minutes into the install. I'm like, I'm obviously missing something. I don't get it, and I literally have to pound on it for three weeks to get it to work. And then I... uh you go over it.
1: there and they answer it. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. Well, they answer all the time, but I, I always want one. It's like I want yeah. one. And I put it up and then
0: I never use it. And then you start building and you realize, why did I want this? It's not worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just me though. I'm
2: not really a TV fanatic. I'll say.
0: Uh, and then the last That's line, TV. Uh, his last paragraph <laughs> there it says, thanks again for the podcast. The recent one about Linux and kids was perfect timing. I plan to research the different distros for my preschool daughter and kindergartner son. Uh, with regards joe patterson so thanks joe we appreciate the uh, feedback and wow we got like 45 minutes of programming off of you awesome
1: yeah (laughs) definitely (laughs) i Um,
0: give him two thumbs up
1: so that's really well a well thought out and well written uh some feedback there
0: so that's it for listener feedback except to say send us more uh, Joe and others like you, we, we love doing shows like this because, uh, you know, when we first started out to do this show 69 episodes ago, this is what we imagined, a QA and a sort of thing and, and answering questions and, and uh, you know, sharing our knowledge and our frustrations with the rest of the people. And we're just now getting to the point where we've built an audience big enough to be able to do that. So we would love to, to do more of this sort of stuff, even every week. It would be great. So if you're out there, if you have a question or a comment or, or um, you know, you want to share kudos or you want to tell us we're all wrong that's fine we take all comments and, and we're welcome to do that and the the best way to do that is to go to dot and click the contact us link at the top of the, the page make sure you mention what show you're writing in about because all the that just comes to me in, in one uh, mass so write in tell me what show it's about and ask your question or make your comment also there's the forums there I I don't read forum comments on the air uh, on the show it's not air on the on the bits um as much because they're out there already for other people to see. When when you you when you email me something, I assume that you meant for me to see it and for for me to take action on it. When you put it in the forums, that's for the general community. That's great. I love to see that, and there is some great discussion going on in the forums right now. Keep it up, but just understand that just because you post it there doesn't mean I'm going to read it uh, on the show like some podcasts do. So that just sort of a bit of a programming note there. That I handle those two things differently. So. I encourage you, however, to go and get involved in the conversation uh, over in the forums. There's a good group of people there who who hang out and make posts, and uh, we would like you to be one of those good people. Any other comments, guys? Um, uh, I was going to do a quick plug if I could. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're not allowed to do that. Um, okay, bacon? So moving, <laughs> okay, bacon. <laughs> no. um, okay. Bacon works. No, actually, I was going to do that, uh, but uh, just before we had uh, anything, uh, any other comments about the the show uh, as it has been, uh, and I guess we'll put that to bed, and we'll tell you where you can contact our good friend, Mr. to Dor- 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 Steve, and why you would want to do that. So go ahead, Dor.
2: Well, uh, the first thing I would ask is please keep providing feedback. Uh, the feedback to mark this is the kind of thing that obviously gets his juices flowing and he likes um i'm also going to ask if people can provide me feedback i went to olf last week and i was the first speaker in a track called meet the penguin a first ever track dedicated to new users uh and my track was called i have linux in um in stalled now what uh me and uh, Steve C are going to publish that at podnuts.com com under the podcast Linux for the rest of us. Uh, probably by the time this show gets get published. Um, we basically did a five minute intro, which of course turned out to be a 15 minute intro. <laughs> we then played the talk and then we did like a 10 minute outro to it. And I really am encouraging people. Give me feedback. Tell me what you think. Um uh, sh- was there something really important I missed new users need to know? Was there something I focused too long on that new users don't need to know? Um, I want to get better at this. Uh, I plan on doing more of these in the future. And if you want to know more about me, just go to door to door geek.com. I do five podcasts a week. The sixth one is starting up here very shortly. Uh, so I should be able to fill up your podcatcher.
0: Yeah, you are are now uh, surpassing me, and I've been at this a couple of years now, and um, I'm actually dropped from six to five, so when you launch your sixth one, you will be more of a podcaster than I am. Then I know I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve's down to just two, so we've both beaten him. Uh, So, yeah, uh, all podcasters crave feedback, because we sit here in our chairs, and we speak into our microphones, and we never really know... uh, if anybody's listening or if anybody cares so there's no such thing as bad feedback wait yeah okay there is such a thing as bad mm-hmm. feedback but generally speaking all feedback is good even if it's negative that's okay in fact we we you know we take those things to heart just don't you know call us a d-bag and don't back it up you know that's bad right. feedback um a well-reasoned uh feedback uh of either either good or bad is what we look for. That's how we can improve and how we can change and how we can know uh, what our audience uh, are thinking. So, right. There you
2: go. And I want to give you guys some feedback really quick. Um, I agree with what Joe said in the beginning of his email. I don't want a stuffy dry cast where they just flick on the mic, read from a card and then turn their mic off. I like the fact that I know that Mark almost burnt down his new house because of his smoker. You know what I mean? I like the fact that Chris had to go through the same kind of things I had to go through taking his daughter granted much further away for a dentist a uh a um a, a appointment. And I love that the gooey kid is a manga nut. Um that to me just makes me understand more where you guys are coming from that you guys are real people and that you guys enjoy some of the same things I
0: enjoy. So I want to thank you guys for that.
1: Well, oh, thanks, Dork.
0: And uh, we appreciate you being available. When we knew Chris, uh, wait, Chris is here. When we knew Seth wasn't <laughs> going to be here, uh, Dora was my first thought. It's like, hey, let's let's get him on and uh, let him uh, uh, stretch his podcast muscles. And uh, we were glad to have you here. the The commentary was good, so uh, I think we can end the love fest now. People are getting a little sick of it. They're so sweet. We're giving people cavities.
1: Um, so I would wait, say, cap- on no. I'm- think about cavities (laughs) i still have two more two more to fill on my daughter
0: we we don't have any tips of the week this week because i we feel like we gave you a lot of tips throughout the the show and we hope that's the case every week uh so uh, on behalf of chris neves and steve mclaughlin i'll simply say uh that ends this episode of everyday linux